0: And welcome back to Richmond Tiger Talk. My name's Nick. And I'm Andy. And we've got a big show uh, this week. We're going to sort of tie up a few loose ends for the for the men's season. Uh, you know, go back and forth on what we think the, the next couple of months are, are going to look like, talk about Ruckman, and then, yeah, we've got... Uh, friend of the show, C uh, is is joining us to
1: to talk about the win against the Lions on the weekend. So yeah, should be good. Yep, great win for Shelbyville um, against uh, the Lions in Springfield. But uh, we won't talk about it now because Laura, we're going to talk about it with Lauren. So mm. that was definitely the highlight of since our last podcast, But um, it it we'll we'll save it for the interview. So Nick, what, well, look, what would you like to start on? I thought.
0: You know, last last time we were a little bit time poor, and look, still, uh, the the end of the season was a lot, um, particularly the the Trent Cotchin Jack Rewalt farewell game, the game at at a Port with a with a couple of uh, debuts. How did I didn't feel like we got a chance, but how did how did you end up feeling about the men's season?
1: Oh, well, that's starting on a down note. Um, <laughs> look, the thing about doing the podcast and also about if you occasionally invest in futures betting is that you, you do have to, you actually have a record of what you said. Um, and yeah, like if you told me Gibbsus wasn't going to take a game, play, no. and Tom Lynch uh, is going to be injured in a way that he missed most of the season and you're not, sh- we're not. Entirely sure if he's going to play next season. Um, we didn't make the finals. Uh, none of the young players like wound up sort of being while well, showing flashes, and I'm, I'm not getting down mm. on. It, but you know, no one really super emerged. Swansea didn't play again. Oh no, Swansea did play a game, didn't he? Swansea, yeah, Swansea did. But yeah, but over disappointing season overall. Like, like there's there's no way that if you told me this was the being the se- like the one positive though, and and sorry, I should have started on the positive is like Cochin three hundred was obviously highlighted. Yes. Like we the way we handled you know, man in a dignified manner the retirements, like they really went on the sh- out on the shields. Like yeah, that was good. It, and if you had realistic expectations for both their seasons, like if you didn't sort of if you didn't hype up the sort of he's the and Jackson did in in tongue in cheek, but the the Kotchen, uh what do you call? um Coleman Cotchen or something like that. <laughs> um, like, like Jack didn't really mean it. He was, he was tongue in cheek. But you know, the sort of if you don't buy into the preseason hype machine. Um, uh, and we had pretty low expectations on Kochan uh, mm. preseason. Uh, I actually thought he had a pretty good season relative to uh, what I thought, but um, well, it was probably about par actually. So like that, that that bit was the positive. But yeah, overall, um, it wasn't all bad. But yeah, it, it wasn't, it wasn't remotely what I hoped and not only in the win loss but also in the development of the young players but it wasn't all bad that would be my summary
0: yeah it was a pretty as you say it was pretty frustrating in a lot of ways the you know Judson Clark you know of the 2021 draftees uh, I thought maybe Judson Clark made the biggest step forward and so of course he got injured um so but I, he got injured
1: I, in the VFL, right?
0: He did, but um, he was like I, he was right on the, the cusp of of senior selection, and yeah, and he, he he played some nice footy.
1: He did, and like I wrote it all year, but like again, I had high expectations from the start of the year. I think mm. he's a great footballer, and sort of when he played well, he he was kind of living up to expectations. But yeah, the fact he got dropped and then he got injured. Like, there's not a single young player I could point to and I'd say, yes, that was even more than I expected. Mm. Um, so, James, James Trezai's notwithstanding, given he start, started the season as <laughs> an uh, obscure <laughs> <laughs> a recruit from country footy. Yeah, and, like, the, the, there's lots of, like, positives. Uh, mm. in, and, like, you know, the emergence of Young. Actually, no, maybe... Um, yeah, true, Tyler Young. Yeah, that, that he... Definitively I- exceeded expectations, so that was and by a long way. So yeah, that was like it wasn't all bad. Like it, it's it's not it like all football seasons. The, there's a mixed story, but yeah. But um, are there any other sort of like I've I've put out a lot of the low lights, but was there any other little highlights for you? Oh look, Jack
0: uh, Jack Ross taking a step forward. Uh, I enjoyed and um, yep. Tom Brown clearly clearly got better and had a had a nice debut and you, know, you don't want to overreact to to one game, but both both and, and Brown didn't look at a place at the level um in their debuts. Um Sam Banks uh took a took a step forward, so yeah, there was there was some bright sparks, but yeah, there was there was there was some pretty significant disappointments. Uh, as well and yeah seeing, look I'm glad I'm glad Jack got to go out as as still you know a meaningful footballer but it was, it was tough watching him um, battling one out uh, against two or three opponents uh, for a lot of the second half of the year.
1: Yeah that was, um, like my personal low light was actually sitting in the Richmond crowd when people were calling for him to retire when I thought yeah. that was very unfair. Uh, but you know People pay their money. It's mm. uh, as I'm going to say later in the, the podcast. It is still entertainment. It's theatre. Mm. Um, yep. And Jack's got a lot more love than he has got criticism from the tiger mm. faithful.
0: I thought uh, Samson Samson's Ryan's future as a as a ruckman was a positive for the season.
1: Sorry, I was just going on a rant about the Ruckman, which you were shocked <laughs> Which uh, I and, which I totally
0: cued you up for.
1: Like a third of the way through the season, you know, Nick, I was like after that West Coast game, like there were like stats yes. stats galore about how effective he was. And then we didn't pick him, we didn't pick him even when we had a chance, and he sort of drifted his season drifted off and so it was kind of he showed real flashes and more than I expected, and then it was a really not really, but it was a disappointing into the season. So it was again mm-hmm. one of those things where it was sort of, um, w- it wasn't all bad, but it you know it, it it wasn't all that we could have hoped for. And of course, we, we always hope for the upside. Mm. Um, yeah, like there was. Uh, I think that's fair. That he he showed flashes of talent that he could do things in the AFL that um, uh, were more than um, we perhaps could have reasonably expected. Yeah. Um, Anyone else for you? Uh, Putting you on the stop there, sorry. No, I th- I think Bauer actually getting to play a senior game was probably probably would have put that at 50-50 at best.
0: Yeah, that that went well and the the Maddie Coulthard debut, um the the Happy Valley, uh Glenelg, um uh Richmond uh transition was was pretty incredible. Um, it
1: was fun. And look, gave it gave that that Hawthorne game was. Like, I yeah. really enjoyed that. Like that was fun. Yeah, you, you got to. In every AFL season, ninety four percent of the teams don't match, don't reach their ultimate game for the ultimate no. goal for the season. So you got to take your your happiness no. as you get it.
0: The I really enjoyed the Geelong win uh, as well. The, the Cochran mm-hmm. three hundred was probably the highlight, but the, the, the Geelong win was pretty fun too.
1: Yeah. That no. Agree. And look. Aldo was more competent in the support than I, I, yes, I had no, hoped. Um, so yeah, that, that was good. And um, Nick, just if I might tangent briefly, um, you know, uh, we frequently get uh, feedback on uh, that I don't talk enough about rucks and perhaps I could just mm. expand on it and hide my yeah. line. And draw, draw, draw
0: upon your, your obvious technical
1: knowledge. Yeah. yeah, like, did you know, Nick, I played in the ruck? no I didn't actually no. it might be a shock to the listeners but yeah and I actually still yeah. do play so you know it's but anyway just bring it up just for as a once off someone did it, uh, bring up because we rushed through it the score launches statistic that I mentioned mm. last yep. week Soddo was top five in the AFL. basically what it means is um, if you get an intercept mark and contested possession or a hit out to advantage that leads to a score so it's it's that you know you initiated the scoring chain um, and and uh, Because of the way AFL works, um, Ruckman do dominate it. But um, the leader in the AFL for that was Sean Darcy. Uh, Second was Riley Riley O'Brien. But I would make both the point that both those guys had a lot more opportunity than Soldo. Um, Mm. You know, their first Rucks. Uh, Kieran Briggs, who had a great season, if if you're a Mm. Mm. record aficionado. Uh, Darcy Cameron, playing on a good team. Um, and you know, got lots of opportunity, when he was first struck. and uh, yeah, fifth was Soldo, and he's mm. pretty close. It, the there wasn't a huge gap between the, those players, so that's the, the statistic. And he's just in front of Jarrett Witz, who gets a huge amount, much more opportunity. Mm. And um, oh yeah, Tim, who Tim, has Tim virtually,
0: has virtually no backup. Um, yeah, the I think the Soldo's uh, last last few games um, definitely helped with the argument that you could play him and, him and Nank in the same team
1: successfully. I am a bit nervous, Nick, that we have now got two developing Rucks, uh, as in two project Rucks. Uh, we've just signed another one, and I'm teeing you up to talk about him. Um, and we kept... Um, uh, so we, we've kept two developing Rucks. We've got Samson, and we've got the captain... I, I was slightly nervous that yeah, we are setting ourselves up where we're getting more to to perhaps potentially trade Soldo, which really worries me. But anyway, that's that's just my uh personal insecurity. But do you want to talk about the new guy who's joined the team? Yeah, so uh, look we we mentioned about him
0: uh a bit a bit last week. And look the uh you know, yeah, so the, the club uh formally announced uh Oliver Hayes Brown and his magnificent mullet uh joining the club. Um look uh, I think uh I don't think it's he's a relevant player for the senior team next year. Like I think I think if if all goes well, um he might be able to help out in in 2025, 20, in a backup role, but I think this is one of those cases where you you recruit a player several years ahead of ahead of when you you need them, and and look, he's a you know, he's a big, strong boy. I mean, he looks um, uh, like he's a lot. He's a load. He's a he's a lot to deal with uh, on the basketball court. He's. A, um, if if he plays the senior game, he'll be the the tallest Richmond senior player ever, and the second heaviest senior Richmond player ever. So yeah, there's there's probably a bit of uh, trimming down as he uh, builds his his tank. Um, I did think, look, one thing with with Ivan Soldo coming from a basketball uh, background, like he's he's never been a real endurance pig. The way that someone like Nank is and and maybe maybe you know who's to say what uh, Hayes Brown can be with time, but yeah, that's that's going to be a real challenge with him. But look, you've um did you did you know that Scott Pendleby had a basketball background?
1: Yeah, and um, as you pointed out with me, because you to me as as you uh, have a background and you've got some good friends in the in the basketball development. Um, Pipeline mm. Penelbury would have been A fringe player In the NBL Probably He just wasn't that good Yeah and So So Olihoz Brown Actually probably um, Is not that yeah, different was was
0: Well actually Was a no, uh, Played some half decent Minutes for the first World Cup,
1: so Yeah, yeah mm. So it's probably Roughly in the same Tier of player But I just I think like Even if you play Two rucks And you play Soldo and Nank And everyone's fit You're playing Three rucks In the VFL now
0: Yeah i uh, I'm not, I, I was surprised that it seems like that Kalina will, will play again next year, to be quite honest. So uh, was I. Who's like, to say? He's been around a while. Anyway, um, I was
1: what? just... I'm insecure at this
0: point. Yeah. What do you think... How do you think the off-season is going to play out? Because it really... Often these things are telegraphed a fair way and a, In advance, and and look, we're not being linked to any of the really major uh, free agents. Although there's there's a slight whisper about uh, Gresham from the the Saints, but uh, that that doesn't seem particularly well sourced. But yeah, I don't. And and look, the the dusty rumour mill has started again for, I don't know, what is it, the 10th? the 10th year in a row, but much less so than usual. I, I really don't, I don't feel like I've got much of a sense of how the off season's is going to play out.
1: No, I, neither do I. And it's kind of the reason why I think now, actually plenty of the late hire coaches, um, uh, uh, Fred, of the podcast, I won't mention pointed out to me that a lot of the, actually the really good coaches who took, like longfire are actually quite late, late, Highest, but like, I'd like us to, get, you know, crack on and, like, actually mm. make a decision because get the coach in, start choosing your assistants um, and start choosing what kind of players you want. But I've got no idea either. Like, I kind of get a bit nervous. I don't actually... Like, maybe I'm a bit burnt from last off-season, but, like, I'd almost, like, let us, like, us to settle and see where the list is because, like, if Lynch is healthy, yes, go for it you're still in the window but that's a big if and um like what's like if, if someone's perfect comes along but you know I, I'm, I'm sort of almost be a like we we had two off seasons last off season maybe just sit 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 pat next year and see what the new coach does but and you know maybe pick up a few fringe players but not go for a big splash trade. but I, I don't know like I, i'm I might be a bit conservative about these things, but I, I don't have a strong take. And like, there are some no, needs.
0: No, and we don't we don't have a lot of guys out of other than sort of some fringe rookie guys. There's not a lot of uh, people coming out of contracts, so it's hard to it's hard to see big changes. Uh, I think, but yeah. It, a, it, it's a strange situation like I do um, I'm very scared. uh it's highly unlikely but not impossible that something happens uh, with Dusty but yeah they that doesn't really seem to be any any noise about any any of our other players uh, being moved on to other clubs.
1: No, and we're we're recording today where Dusty was seen having a coffee with Dimmer Dimmer in the Gold Coast, and Dusty does not normally go overseas for his overseas trips. So um, I wouldn't—that's not made-up media crap, but mm. also—and uh, that's we don't speculate on that kind of stuff. But mm. um, I I could live with that if that's what he wanted to do, and there was a fair trade. Um, uh, you know, it's not. Mm. Uh, as much as I love him. It'd be tough to watch. I want him to play 300 games for Richmond. So, yep. uh, like, th- that's that's my base reaction. But I also understand. But what I would be, what I don't want to do after we got screwed on the Dimmer trade, I don't want to do another, oh, he's done a lot for us and we'll just let him go for free. No. Like, play hardball. If he wants to go, that's fine. All our blessings. But Gold Coast have to pay. Mm. That would be my position. It's, we, we definitely got screwed on the Dimmer thing. And now that he's poaching some of our staff and our players, I'm even less sympathetic.
0: The, so Gold Coast have a number of really good academy kids. So uh, if anything happens, it's going to be for players, players, not picks.
1: Which is not the end of the world.
0: It's not the end of the world. They've had a lot of high draft picks in, in recent years.
1: All right. Um, is there anything else that's sort of on your? But we'll, we'll look, this will evolve, and maybe we'll get a bit more information over the weeks. Uh, because, yes. um, like, like it's actually a difficult time, right? But like, if I was mm. a Richmond assistant coach, I'd be really nervous right now. I um,
0: know. Uh, look, I and the, some of them are beloved. I know, and I look the the you know that we gave we gave Ratten a job after his. Uh, terrible experience with Essendon. I'd be really sad for him to move on. I'm deeply fond of uh, Steve Morris uh, with the VFL. Um, Xavier Clark's interviewed for the senior job. I'd be, I'd be uh, sad to lose him. I like Minis, uh, very very likable. Like like older, came I mean, Kane, Kane Lambert as uh, a as a
1: development coach,
0: it's, it's hard not to like them all.
1: No, I, I completely agree and that there's just so much good. And I completely agree with the coaches, and, and I'm not at all saying that, but maybe with the players, is uh, like you can see why it's hard, what, why maybe we need a fresh perspective. Um, and I hear great things about Mini, so I'm just not a strongly held opinion. But this era was just so grand that it, you know, you can, you can see why the difficulties are sometimes moving on. And I'm, I'm no way criticising this, but there is a universe where if Cochin doesn't do his calf, maybe Thompson Dow doesn't get another contract. Like mm. These are... these. Sometimes it's just... It, football's a brutal game. Like, I'll never forget Michael Voss not being able to... This brilliant player... Mm. Brilliant... Premiership captain, but as soon as he's, he's... I think he had an arthritic knee. He, yes. lost, he lost his pace and he was just shot. And it's a cruel game. It doesn't care about your reputation. It cares about whether you can get to the spot. So, yeah. Um, God, that was a bit dark. Um, yes. but, uh, um, we're looking forward to a new coach. We're looking forward to a new coach. And hopefully in the next couple of weeks. And I, I just... I could never make the decisions... that I'm not saying hard decisions need to be made, but I, I could never make them objectively if... You, you know, if they did, does it make sense?
0: Yeah, no. Uh, look, I think the the best thing that can be said, you know, they've like, they've done a thorough process, um, you know, and they've got a clear idea about what they want. So, yeah, looks so, look forward to seeing the result.
1: All right, Nick. I think after that little bit of darkness, right, <laughs> we need a bit of with a bit of a pick me up, um, and. I loved the game on the weekends. Really enjoyed it. So I think it's time to bring on Lauren.
0: And welcome back to Richmond Tiger Talk. My name's Nick. And I'm Andy. And we've got a very special guest, Loza uh, Loza C, um, from at Loza... See who's um, I think she's here as a AFLW expert. You know, passionate, passionate Richmond fan, friend of the show. Have we missed anything out?
2: I think that pretty much covers it. I don't know yeah. about the expert part. I think I'll leave the expert part to Sarah Black.
0: How um, about how about can yes. I can I have another go at it? Uh, here's Loza C. She's pumped about the. Uh, Tigers win over the Lions on Sunday. How's that?
2: Very um, much so. Yeah, we'll run with that.
1: So, so yeah,
0: yeah, just catching people up. Um, six point win to the the Tigers uh, up in uh, Springfield in in uh, Brisbane on the on the weekend. Brisbane's uh, second regular season loss in the past two seasons both of which uh, to Richmond. It's a it's a pretty good place to be.
1: Yeah, it was exciting, and uh, it was a big victory for Shelbyville. But, Nick, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go with a big call early just to get the hot takes out of the way before uh, Loz comes in with a more sensible analysis. <laughs> well, I
2: don't know but, about that. I've got a few hot takes. But anyway... But, um, um, <laughs> look,
1: look, this is an impossibly high bar to set because it's a historic-making team that, you know, broke a forever drought. But there is a little shade in this... AFLW this year's AFLW team to the Richmond men's 2017 team. And like Whoa. I'm not saying they're going to win a premiership. Bring,
0: bring, bring, this spicy
1: take on. <laughs> but there was that 2017 team was, I think the first team that always kicked and always like just kicked so often in games. Like it had the odd shocker, but it was always in games and it always tried and like you always had faith in them and turning up and putting in a really good effort. Mm. And that's what I'm starting to feel about this team from this last year and this year. Like they lose games, but, you know, if, if they're in a bare knuckle brawl, they will, they will last and last and last. And, and they just outlast a, a lot of teams. And felt like we did that against Brisbane. They're, they're, they're a really likable team to watch. But what do you think, Loss?
2: Um, Well, firstly, I'm just going to do a shout out to um, Port Melbourne. I don't know if you mentioned it in previous podcasts, but obviously Port Melbourne VFLW team won the flag. So we now call it Flagport. Um, And it was so fabulous to see so many of our AFLW-listed players and our coaches and our leadership people down there at those games and supporting so to see our affiliate teams and to see them win success. Of course, that makes any team hungry for success, but I feel like some of those building blocks are really there for what I'll say at the end about what I think might happen this year. But, um, yeah, I think a lot of talk, I don't know, was around is this our best win? i probably say, yeah, it is our best win because to knock, you know, last year's grand finalists off, Round one um, is a pretty big statement. It also has to be measured with the fact that Brisbane have lost players and, Mm. you know, there's been movement between teams. But I think for me, I still think last year's win against the Lions was probably like a really pivotal time for us because it was at a time where we did lose really close games and we did have some shockers of games and we did... For, sort of forget to win, the will to win. And I always said last year, like, I was waiting for that big scalp. I could see behind the scenes the, scenes, the system building and, and the little things they were trying to do. And I think we saw that a lot on the Brisbane game this year. But I feel like for me, last year we had the hot girl hot streak, which was unbelievably fun. Mm. Um, but I think they appreciated they could win and it was fun and it was exciting but I feel like this year there's a really steely determination that they want to be winners they actually know what it takes to be winners and I think they went in probably going you know what we've got a super tough draw and went you know what we're going to put that to the side let's just put that all to the side and go what do we want to do what does our system say and I think Ryan Ferguson in that first quarter um Huddle, you know, was like, we're doing all the right things, just keep going. When you could look and go, you know, there were sparks everywhere. <laughs> you know, those two sisters just seemed to be everywhere over the ground. Um, and Courtney Hoddle was just everywhere as well. So yep. I think, you know, they were unable to hold that back, but to be so positive at quarter time just sets. It, it shows us the mindset and maybe the values that we don't always get to see.
0: Yeah, I I think it, it, there was a certain amount of m- maturity because uh, they were far more positive than I was. I don't, don't know if you had our show last week, but we were. I was a little bit worried by the the season form that was okay, but yeah. cer- and- certainly certainly not beating beating Brisbane up in Brisbane. <clears throat> Round one.
1: Well, I mean, in fairness, we were five to one, four to one our underdogs. So, <laughs> you know, you weren't, in, you weren't Robinson Crusoe. I think, uh, laws to the, to the point that, you know, uh, uh, like, it's one thing to stick to say stick to the structures, but the thing is, this team does. And, um, like, I, like, at a quarter time, I thought Brisbane was everywhere. And, like, it was actually, I was slightly dispirited, but, you know, you probably had more faith. But, uh, and, and then, the way they just responded and ground and ground and ground, and then they had an unlucky goal kick against them in the last and they still didn't give up. Yeah, like, they. there's obviously a lot of belief. And one question I wanted to ask you, because you know sort of the more inside, like, I'm, it's obvious, I, I said this last year as well, they seem to have a really good team, like a leadership team spirit. And you mentioned Ryan, and I think maybe, I don't think, I'm wondering, I think both our captain and our coach are underrated, but where do you see, who do you see as the real culture drivers?
2: Look, I think there's something about women's sport that is really unusual compared to men's in that women are coming from different places and times, and I think some of the of the older players, maybe the systems weren't as great for them coming through the football pathways. And then you've got some younger people who have now started to actually come through the pathways all the way. I think you've got massive culture changes from someone who's 30 years old compared to someone who's like 19, 20. And I think to be able to bridge that divide, to be able to connect people from across, you know, part-time jobs, professional study, in know, professional jobs to then be able to bring people together, a lot of it comes down to Ferg. I think Sean Hampson coming on board is he's just, I don't know, there's something about the way he speaks to players. Um, and he has spoken about himself having a daughter and how, if he can create and support women to have these pathways, that's really something he wants. Um, Liz Quinn is our culture and leadership. Guru, I call her. Um, she is an amazing person at really talking about um, leadership, but also the willingness of people to commit to the shared values. So, Richmond, the football club, has values, the team has values. You know, we talk a lot about the Richmond man and what that means. Um, but to actually have people commit to a women's program wholeheartedly, Requires everyone to buy, and I think that that's the thing they probably do the best. Um, and perhaps it's a bit, little bit undersold to fans and members. Um, but if you're around it, you feel it and you see it.
0: Yeah, the, I, I had a strong sense of the the weekend, and look, it uh, happened last season as well. But it did, it did, I did have a sense of sort of the parts fitted together. Like that uh, of a team that was getting the, the most out of out of its uh, talent, and yeah, I, I, I came I pretty encouraged. Um, was there was there anything that sort of surprised you uh, from the from the game and how they played?
2: Oh, look, I think I, look, I was out at Father's Day lunch, so I'm not going to lie, I missed the first quarter, so you can blame me for them not scoring any goals. I did feel a bit guilty that I came in, you know, midway through the second just as we scored our first goal. I I did have the big guilt trip about, you know, I said, Dad, we we should have cut it a bit finer. Um, You know, there's always that worry of, like, The Brisbane Lions are dynamic and they, you know, it was said that they were going to be the fastest side this year. Our time trials are the fastest and we're going to, you know, we're going to play the most speediest game. But, you know, just the the commitment of Richmond players to actually just gut run, you know, and, and I think I really loved probably the long kicks. It was the long kicks forward because, you know, KB's goal was from long kick forward, Ali Mackenzie just streaming through the ground with long kicks um, and people being there. And I think in the men's I often found that as we've gone through the seasons, those little things like running alongside a player, um, shepherding a player, like those things were really evident in the game on um, the weekend. And I think that that's what I like because it shows that someone's always got your back and Mm. that, you know, but they're always trying to go forward, which – you know, I do think it was a more attacking style. I think, you know, they were really strong with their defence. I think they were really like, you know, we are going to intercept and get it back down forward.
0: I was uh, struck the hammer, like the, the forward line, having, you know, Greiser, Brennan, Reed in a third tall forward, Jones and you see like... Uh, i it, oh, it couldn't help but think about how much the men have lacked <laughs> a forward line where everyone sort of has clearly uh defined roles <laughs> that they're good at
2: yeah i think um yeah there was so much about you know how much we love colt wakefield and you know, I was so excited. As soon as I knew we were getting the G train, I was like, this is, this is so good. And I thought even it made, it made such a difference having a a fit and healthy KB streaming round. Like, you know, they all sort of like pieces of, as you say, pieces of a puzzle, but it was just seeing like my smoky for best improved player this year is Stella Reed. I think that I've seen so much more commitment for, from her through preseason, through connecting with the team to improvement. And I guess that's probably the whole thing is that across the side, no matter whether you're new, whether you've come from another club, they all want to raise the bar. And it's so impressive.
0: Yeah, the, uh, look, I thought the, the forward line looked good. I think the uh, defence um, held up pretty well. Like uh, that, uh, had some had some challenge. You know, Brisbane were a fast team, and that on the fast break they were uh, pretty tough uh, to deal with. But yeah, I, lo- I love uh, Laura, Laura McClellan's transition from you know in her draft year. Um, she was touted as you know someone who could play it half forward and you sort of uh you certainly didn't get a sense of uh the hard defender that she's turned into.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think um you know, I I love reading um the Richmond app and you pull up the players with their player number and their stats and things, but I love that. I love reading the bios of like, it'll say key forward and you're like, well, they're not even playing a key forward role or it'll say key defender. And I'm like, well, they're not playing a defender. So I think um the ability of some of the players to, I guess, especially last year, they had to evolve. And I think because we did strike down with so many injuries, it did force our Mac to go backwards, but Like, you know, even Sarah Darcy, she hasn't played a lot of footy for us, you know, for the last few seasons. So for her to come back um, and Maddie Shevlin even the other week, she was in a moon boot after one of our practice games and I was like, oh, my gosh, what's happening? Um, But I think, you know, for me looking at those pre-season hit out, I don't take much from them other than it's the time for, trying players and really just getting the connection because they've had nine months off. So there's nine months between seasons and I say nine months off playing games, but there's been so much conditioning and I don't know if people do jump on the Richmond women's socials, but there's so much more content about what they're doing behind the scenes and all the the conditioning and things they do off the field. So I think for me, I am probably the women's hype girl um but I think it's the women's ability every player is willing to you know do the famous Richmond play your role um I think they just fully embrace that okay well that's what's being asked me what do I need to do?
1: Um, I actually started playing, following a few Richmond women's players on your recommendation, and uh, like one or two of them. It's probably the sauciest content I get on my Instagram feed, <laughs> um, uh, which probably indicates my preferences. Uh, now, I did want to uh, look. This is maybe uh, look. I love the theatre of football, and I, I I love pro wrestling, and I think football clubs can be a bit too serious about themselves sometimes. So I love when Dakota like got the bump ball mark and the fifty she didn't deserve, and then acted like she cured cancer and ran around the boundary <laughs> asking. Like I, I love that's pure in in pro wrestling; it's classic bad guy heel behavior. And then I love that we turn around and beat it. Like I yeah. I, I loved every part of that. But how were you feeling at that moment when Dakota um did her victory lap?
2: Uh I I was really conflicted. There was a, this actually became a bit contentious on Twitter. There was a bit of um.
1: Yeah, I saw. That's why I was asking. Like, Yeah, uh,
2: I I sort of sat in between two things. I was like, you know, I guess for me, I do love women's sport. Like, I was, you know, yay the chillies. Um, But I kind of, I guess, when it comes to the women's team, I kind of really not disconnect from our men's team but I come with a very different frame of mind and thinking to our women's team and to the AFL because before Richmond was a team in the AFL like I'd love the AFLW regardless so for me there are certain teams I love and you know certain teams that you know you're not that interested in and so forth now there was um, some language used um, which was contentious about whether that should be used around women's sports and things like that. Um, but I have no problem with saying a team's being super lippy or that they're, you know, mouthing off because that that was the nature of them, you know, and I guess in the men's footy will Brisbane's not that dissimilar. But I think you know, when you see that it's we don't want we don't want to become the men's competition where we don't have any of those natural things. But at the same time when you go down and you kick a goal the other end, like, you're like, well, that's kind of not, that's, that's a really great feeling, uh, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, like,
1: I, I, think, I think both teams are embracing it. It was, it was a contentious game between two good teams and um, that's how they wanted to play. Like yeah. uh like as I said, I've got no problem with Dakota doing that and but you know, the in all sport you pay a price if you're gonna be a smart ass and um uh but you look fantastic if you win. Um yeah. but it, it does seem to be a Brisbane culture thing. Um <laughs> Uh But yeah, anyway, I, I, look I, I thought it was a really fun game of football to watch. Um and uh yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Mm. Um, what did you think? Well, we talked a bit about the forward setup. Um and look I I was I was sort of interested, and also we seem to switch up the way we did our rucks. So I'm, I'm I'm jumping around topics here, but how did you see Griza sort of fitting in? Like, I I was worried she was going to be slightly immobile because she did struggle to get the ball towards the end of the last year against St Kilda, but well, with St Kilda. But then, um, on the other hand, she, uh, she they were a pretty
2: bad team. But how did you see it? Yeah, look, I think. You know, I'm not a. I mean, as most people, if they follow my Twitter, they know I'm not a massive fan of the St. Kilda women's program. Now, that's not the players' fault. It's to do with coaches and and their frame of thinking around women's sport. Um, but jobs you know, for the boys. They, <laughs> yeah, jobs for the boys. Um, but they are poorly coached, and I think her fitness level probably wasn't where it needed to be. But you know, when they had no particular game plan, it, it, you know, she was kind of left hung out to dry. But um, I think for me, seeing her the start of the Richmond game, I think there was probably a lot of nerves in terms of, you know, I, I really want this and she seems to have fitted in really well. Um, but yeah, I think there's probably a bit of nerves and I know there was like, Poppy Kelly was down there for a bit and I think it's just, I think it when it got going, as I said, was when I saw K B really moving really well and being that link between sort of I think she's really great probably K B at setting up and making space. Like Katie made so much space and especially that last bit with um or that last goal, it was like she's made space so that these things happen, so that, you know, all the players had to go on that on that spot. But I did think that At first, I was a bit nervous because she did seem to be, I guess, tentative maybe when she was going for a few of the marks or didn't quite judge the footy. And I did, yeah, have a bit of a, I don't know, kind of like a, maybe she needs a bit more time and space, but
1: yeah. I I must say, I I came around on her a bit. Like, like, I mean, obviously, Katie's the star. Like, I, I actually think, I think Katie, as I said, is both underrated as a leader and a player, like. I really think she wins the key contests and halves the ones she doesn't um but there was like okay so Griser had the beautiful kick for gold that everyone saw and you know that's what's written on the box of her but there was a moment in the fourth where she got a contested ball and it was a hacky kick forward but it took her a bit of mobility and and hard work and I kind of went ah she's she's got she's more than a one-trick pony
2: yeah I think for her is just fitting into the system that's Richmond. And I think when you've come, as I said, from a system that perhaps not so strong, the fitness, you know, levels and that, you know, I don't know, perhaps mindsets aren't there. I think to come to a really strong side that has really strong commitment and expectations, you're trying to, you've got to get into the mindset of like the goals aren't just going to come to me, I have to work. But also if I don't get it, I'm trying to set it up for someone else.
1: Yeah, agreed. And I I really, I do, sorry to like labour the point, but I I think Katie is a very smart player. She goes to the right position, she pushes down when we're in trouble, and you can, she just needs to learn to play off that.
2: Mm. Yeah, I think Katie, just to see her, I mean, I don't know if many people know how long she had that foot fracture for. Like it was just, it seemed to go on to season, on to season, on to season. So, To see her for nine months without a moon boot and to see her moving through that centre was just like, I think, you know, like you said, Andy, I think we've forgotten how good a footballer at her peak she really is. Like we really are lucky, not just in the leadership, but when she's fit and firing, um, yeah, she'll get some really good votes if she, you know, can keep that up.
1: Well, there's going to be unfortunately though for her that um, uh, as long as she stays fit, there's a pretty good chance the MVP, um, <laughs> the best and fairest winner. Like we haven't mentioned her yet on the plot, yeah. but um, you know we obviously are blessed that we have, you know, if not the best player, the top three player in the league. Mm.
2: Yeah, or as she calls uh, herself, the overdramatic dramatic. Um, Mon Conti, as she said, she was uh, she was recorded saying, as I do over-dramatise, as we all, I don't know if everyone else did, but I certainly, you know, started to have heart palpitations when she went down injured. Yep.
0: yep. <laughs> when, uh, yeah, and uh, she's limped to the boundary line and they're furiously working on her calf. Yeah, yeah, there's, <laughs> there's the season <laughs>
2: Yeah, and then you pan to the person next to her, who is Ellie is having her calf and her knee, and on the on the on the microphone, and you're kind of like, "What is happening? We've only got like three minutes of the game to go,
0: yeah, well, um, Mom's uh thankfully picked for this week, but sadly, sadly, Ellie McKenzie's uh, gonna miss all they seem confident that uh, it'll only be one week, but um." yeah the Sarah hosking back which is a which is a good a good replacement um I wanted to ask um kate Dempsey that was is that the best game she's played
2: she's so pretty damn good I actually think a lot of people really underestimate her um you know because we look at back Miller, or we look at you know, Alicia and having a blinding year, but she was a pillar last year in you know pretty decimated defence.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, actually, speaking of the defence, it was it was nice to see that clearly no sign of second year blues for Alicia.
2: Oh my gosh! I was just—I have the biggest crush on Haley here. and then to see her running through with ribbons in her hair, it's just—it just looks like like what yeah. Hugo Hugo with the mullet. It's like you know, a bit of Haley Razzo running through. But I—I I think, um, you know, I I do have a quote for her that I'll say in my predictions later. But um, yeah, she's she's not here to mess around.
1: Um. Yeah, no, she's. A, I'm a big fan of the ribbons in the head too. I think you know if Hugo stays a tiger, uh, he might think about adopting that too because it's a good. <laughs> <look>. <laughs> well, um, speaking of
0: uh, questions, was the how are, you know clearly a great win? How how are your expectations for the rest of the season?
2: Well, I don't, I don't know if I should say it. I feel like this is more an end of the podcast thing. I guess I I wrote down a few things because I guess there are a few things like I, I I've got like a bit of stuff for off field and a bit of stuff for on field. So do you want me to run with the the off field stuff? Go for it. Yeah. So I I guess like I'm on here, and as everyone knows, I'm pretty much hype the rich the Richmond women, but. I really want people to embrace and come to games if you can. Um, You know, like it's great to see and hear that people want to know more about our Richmond women's team. But if you can get out to games and know Icon Park is not going to be our home, but, like, you know, we we just have to put that out of our minds and just make it, you know, make it as much of a Richmond home base as we can. Um, Get out there and wear your Richmond clothes, There's AFLW merch. Not the best, but, you know, I went to the opening game, the Collingwood-Melbourne game, and there were so many people just dripping with merch. And I was like, yes, finally people can buy AFLW merch. And a shout-out to Richmond, the football club, you know, if they can actually get some AFLW merch for that is Richmond, we'd love that because not all, all of us want to wear full play kits all the time. Um and understand that when you go to Richmond games that, you know, the lasso rule rocks and that there's still quite a lot of, I guess, bumps in things of rules and umpiring that is still needing to be ironed out along the way. Um I want people to learn a bit more about the Richmond women's story. So for people who are just jump in on board, you know, we're still writing the chapters of our story. Still breaking new ground um i really am interested to see i know we know a lot about the richmond man but i want to start hearing a lot about what it means to be a Richmond woman so hopefully the richmond media team sort of get a bit more of that out and unpack that with us all because i know that's happening behind the scenes um to understand the deep connection and care our players have for one another and I know I've spoken about this with Andy, and he said he felt it last year. But there is a magic, and you can call it connection. You can call it women's sport. You can call it Richmond. I don't know what it is. You can't always see it, but it's real, and you can feel it. So get on board our tide.
1: Oh, that's beautiful, Lauren. Now I I would like to end there, but I just wanted to ask you one question without notice is one of the sort of things about this podcast is that we talk a lot about the VFL players and the sort of the rookie list players who might not necessarily be playing yet. Do you have a sort of favourite amongst the players who didn't play on the weekend who you expect to be uh, playing some footy later in the year or you hope to uh, see you later in the year?
2: Look, I think pretty much the side we had out is probably our best side to date. Um Unfortunately for like the women's comp, you know, we get to the start of the season and you've already pulled a few players out with long-term injuries or, um, you know, away for personal time. So I would have really loved to see Steph Williams Williams in our forward line, but mm-hmm. obviously she's having some time out. Um, and, you know, I really do love Meg Mac. Like, she was not. like a real beast on the weekend and I like have yeah. to say that Yeah, she was good. Even last year, I know that's not a person in our um our, you know, guess that isn't playing, but she no, I guess last year was a bit in and out the side. Um and to see her kind of really step up and, and really was really physical with some of those players who, you know, were giving, you know, their heart and bodies and they're giving off, you know, yeah, kind of some brutal bumps she gave. So I think, um, yeah, she was pretty exciting to to watch and hopefully she can stay in the side this season. Look,
1: look without picking on anyone who's no longer on the list, but like, I think one of the reasons we are a better team now is that like, it, there were at times a few years ago, watching it it all sort of Monconti and Friends, um, particularly when Katie Brennan was. And the difference between our best player and our worst player, I think, is now much, much less on the list. You know, that not everyone's a star, but the people are... uh, Mm. Like, Lynch is a nice example. is like, like Lynch was sort of famous, had the name recognition and obviously played on a good North Melbourne team. But she's just become a far more, over the last sort of, eight, nine months, become a far more, like she's a very competent role player. And now you can say that at a lot of our role players where I'm not sure you could have said that a couple of years ago.
2: Yeah, I think as well, like I, you know, in the scope of things, we're in season eight, but really Richmond's in season five of AFLW. And I do think that I noticed a big difference between last year, you know, we had two seasons, but I noticed a big, I guess, I don't know whether AFLW clubs actually went. We're going to take this seriously. And there was a lot of list calls across all teams, but I do feel like we went, hang on, our list did better than we thought, but we do actually need to cut a lot of the dead weight that, um, you know, whether it's to freshen up or whether, you know, because we just thought we needed to keep them. I don't know what the reason, but there was, as you say, there was a massive gap between our best players and then those that were injured long-term. We had quite a few long-term injuries and those that, you know, I see Cody Jarks at Essendon and she's doing, she seems to be doing really well. Um, Mm. But then that's not the story always for everyone. So it's much more, I think, greater depth, but also greater, I guess, durability that if, we do need a player to play in another position. You can you can kind of do that now with the depth we've got.
0: Mm. Yeah, the I think it's you spoke about the culture, like the you know if you want to uh, people walking uh, walking walk the talk, like when Brisbane go into this season having lost a couple of really important uh, players, like we've. Yeah. our our has now been together for a couple of seasons and it's only been fringe players moving on. So, yeah, I, know, I think it speaks well.
2: Yeah, and I think we've got – I think we're down to four originals from our first season. Um, so when you think about it, like last year from this year, we didn't have massive changes. And, you know, in some ways having a couple of bad years help us keep some players <laughs> if that makes sense, that, you know, some of the teams when the expansion came through, like, you know, there was big sort of, you know, eyes on Ali McKenzie, which sort of, I think, sent shutters through us all. But, um, yeah, we've been largely able to keep that group. And I think you look at it, you know, the premiers from last year in Melbourne, they've kept so many of their core players throughout. And, you know, I think for Richmond to be able to, You know, see so much improvement in players last year. It meant we didn't need to be so hard with our recruiting. It meant we could go, okay, we really need that forward. So then we can look at, you know, what else we need in terms of maybe like, if someone gets injured, we can have one someone step up.
0: Well thanks very much, Loz. We appreciated that. The so, are you are you officially keeping the lid on it for the for the rest of the season, or is the has the hype train left the station?
2: Okay, well, I I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna just go out and say it. So, as I said, I am so into the women's footy, and I you know it's only ten rounds, so it's going to be over before we know it. Um, but I can't help but go into round, like even before the round one, I couldn't help go, why not us? Why not this year? Um, and I do think of Ailey Sheeran's speech last year at the BNF and she said, I'm he- I'm not here for a short time. Sorry, I'm here for a short time, not a long time, so let's crack on. And I think there's quite a few players that are probably the same sort of space as her. Um, so I love this team regardless. So. I'm going to read and watch all of the chapters they write. Um, but I guess, in essence, I want top eight. I want to win a final. And while we're there, while we're there then let's win the whole damn thing.
1: I <laughs> <laughs> like it. I'm Nick. I'm Andy. Lauren, you're missing your cue.
2: What's your cue? And I'm Lars. <laughs> well done. <laughs> we're
1: a tiger talk. All right. Thanks, Lars. Okay. Thanks guys.